started shooting it. That's the sound of being Mountain prepped Dew, and ready. Mountain Dew Livewire. Oh, that's what you have? Mm-hmm. Well, it's a shame that. It's orange. <laughs> what? It's orange. It's an orange soda. Oh, well, that's gross. Well. <laughs> All right. It's like, I'm going to kiss my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, don't look. What? Okay. Are we going to do some type of intro? Hi, everyone. <laughs> I'm Emily. And I'm Vince. And, as you may guess, this is The Lighthouse Lowdown. It's just going to be Africa forever. Unless you want to learn the tone that is our podcast intro. (laughs) (laughs) I will, but it won't be intentional. It'll just be... But it won't be pretty. Oh. (laughs) I'll do it with spite. Need to sip my diet DP. So, as my um, sister would say, DDP. Um, oh, I, I am not the host today. I am the co-host, which I guess is always true. But I'm no, just, it's seventy-five percent false. What do we call it when I'm not hosting or when you're not host? Like, what are you the host today? This is your episode. Yeah, Emily's episode today. I'm talking right now. It's only. It's more of like a special occasion whenever you do the opener, and since I write. The, um, you know, the descriptions of the episode, I yeah. should be sure to mention that it's you. It's a special occasion. Okay. So it's not really that you're, no, I say you're hosting, yeah. So I'm the host for this episode. And I'm the co-host, or yeah. the secondary, <laughs> tertiary. The commentator. Junior host. Other host. Um, but Miscellaneous. I just, uh, <laughs> it's Thursday, it's after work, so we got some sodies in us. Yeah. As the Midwesterners sometimes say. I've actually never heard that except for you. Sody? Oh, it's like, uh, it, I think I got it from some, like, m- my 600-pound life or whatever. Oh, yeah. There's these two girls. Yeah, it's um 1,000-pound sisters. <laughs> yeah, but there's one <laughs> there's one clip that I've, because I've never seen the show. Yeah. One clip that was like, our mama told us growing up that, um, you know, you, you eat a sugar and then you drink a diet soda and they cancel each other out. And they're telling this to a doctor, and he's like, that is inaccurate. <laughs> that is absolutely false. And maybe it's she. I can't remember. But the doctor is like, that's not science. I don't know who told you that, but you're a 1,000 pounds. So. Yeah. No, it's like, <laughs> I wouldn't trust it. <laughs> yeah, it's not working so far. But, so, uh, but yeah, I just want to say it's Thursday after work. Got our sodies. It's snowing outside. Yeah. Um, Probably have some snow. We have a sponsor for today's podcast we can talk about later. But there's a lot of special things happening. So I'm excited for this one. Hell yeah. Yeah. So I'm just going to jump in. I'm going to start with the history buoy, which, as promised in our last episode, is on foghorns. Foghorns. For those that don't know, foghorns or fog signals are a sound warning to alert other people to danger. I would say like marine, you know, voyagers, yeah, <laughs> sailors, etc. Yeah. But it's also true for rail, like railways trains and stuff really those are technically fog horns. fog well are well they sorry they are used fog horns it's not like a train horn is a fog horn but it uses steam, the same okay steam whistle yeah that's what i've heard on a train but i get it's steam well a lot of fog horns okay <laughs> well it's a good way to get into it historically fog signals were whistles or gongs that people would strike or blow awesome. later on with compressed air Small cannons were sometimes fired as the warning. 
But of course, cannons were not. Cannons had to be manually filled and fired by the keeper each time it needed to go off, which was sometimes as short as like five minutes. So he'd just be standing there forever. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously, firing a cannon but over it, and over. It, it was efficient, so they used it for a really long time. Clockwork systems began being used to strike bells, and this included a fun fact that I found: a giant triangle, like a musical triangle. Whoa in Maine that had four foot sides. What? Mm-hmm. This was in eighteen thirty seven, so I couldn't find a picture, but oh, this so uh, is there a record of like who made this? <laughs> I should look it up, see if I can find like the patent for the giant triangle. <laughs> the commissioning. <laughs> I don't know. I'm yeah. I, you sent over some drawings here. I just wanted to check on the yeah. scale. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make sure this says four feet and not four it's inches. Three hundred pounds of steel. I don't know. <laughs> you could have to hit it with a hawk. You know, there had to be a mallet to go with it that was also just as large. Oh, yeah, full swing. Good stuff. The first automated steam-powered foghorn was invented by Robert Fowlis, which his own, his name almost didn't go down in history, and I'll tell you why. He says that he heard his daughter playing piano from a distance while he was working in mm-hmm. fog and noticed that the low tones were more audible than the high tones. Aside from cannon fire, most of the time they've been you know, whistles and giant triangles give off high frequency sounds. And so he's like, oh, what a revolutionary idea that we need to be aiming for the low frequency sounds rather than the high frequency. So he designed a a low frequency sound device and was initially rejected by the commissioners of lighthouses, which is basically the lighthouse board for Canada. Yeah. He wanted it to be built on Partridge Island, which I'm assuming was nearby where he lived or something. Like as a test site or? Just, yeah, just to see how it worked and, you know, if it benefited the keepers at all. But he was rejected. It doesn't really say why. I think what they're saying is his proposal was not detailed enough. So they were like, go back, (sighs) add some more detail, you know, like really lay it out. And then you come back. So then the plans, the more detailed plans that he made were stolen by another Canadian engineer who passed it off as his own work and was accepted. Shiesty engineers. Yeah, I, I didn't put it out his name because I don't think he deserves it. Oh, <laughs> you don't even want to soil the family name. <laughs> is it a name? Wait, is it a name that we would know? Like, is it like no. Bose? <laughs> no. <laughs> Sennheiser, <laughs> Bang and Olufsen. That'd be funny. It was the beginning of Apple. <laughs> Fowlis eventually got the credit, but he never profited or patented his design. So oh. at least we know that he was the one responsible for coming up with this idea. But he never gained any money from yeah. having his design out there. That's really interesting. So he's literally, he's literally listening to his daughter play a piano, and he's at some distance away. And it's like the, what is it, the Einstein, the Apple, the Einstein Apple moment. He's like, yeah, yeah. The grab. I don't know if that's actually true. Maybe it is. I don't know. I didn't learn in school. But like he's sitting, you know, sitting under a tree, yeah. essentially. And he hears, oh, the low, lower keys. I can hear them more clearly. This must be what everyone else hears. This must apply to the rules of physics. Like low frequencies across distance yeah. on air carry better with more intensity. People are smart. Yeah. It's interesting. But that's the same reason like, you know, we're driving in kind of a different part of Kansas City, Missouri. And you hear like, yeah, you hear the, the rolling bass coming from the 1991 Lexus coupe right next to us. Yeah. But you don't hear the, you know, high, high piano notes. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. I felt bad for him. 
but Fowlis, everyone, remember. And how, F-O-W-L-E-S? Is that the name? F-O-U-L-I-S. Yeah. I haven't been shown anything yet on the great big screen. Yeah, I'm not going to show you my nose, so you're crazy. <laughs> Back on to our um, foghorn. So a couple of types. It was hard to find. Like, I couldn't find a, a list of foghorn types. Mm-hmm. I think mainly because the kind that's used nowadays is pretty much universal. It's not like, oh, you can have this, 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 or this, and yeah. here's the reasons you would use each type. It's just kind of like, this is the one we've right. got that really works. has gotten to that. Yeah. Really, I found two types. One is a siren, which is, you know, what you hear for tornadoes or oh, cool. winds, hurricanes, that kind of thing. That's compressed air forced through holes in a rotating cylinder. And then the other type, which is what most lighthouses use today or you know, for marine purposes, is the diaphone, which is what you asked about in the mm-hmm. last episode. So the diaphone was originally invented for the organ, for sending compressed air specifically to each note on an organ. It's compressed air forced through slots under a pistol, and I have a gif. I wonder what the the origin of pistol means. Is it a shape or a... They say pistol. Yeah. Not piston. Piston. Oh, okay. I think I typed it wrong. Well, you got me. Uh-uh. <laughs> Here's a little animation. So basically, it's surrounded by compressed air all the time, yeah. just like piston. And as the comp- the compressed air builds, it pushes down on this piston, which then opens up these holes for air to escape out of. And up here is where you're hearing the noise, is the sound of this compressed air shooting out of the piston. Yeah. And then as this air pressure goes down, and also air sneaks underneath the piston, it pushes it back up and unaligns these holes yeah and so then it's like the short bursts you hear whatever kind of physics they have going on in here that keeps it in sound bursts instead of it just being prolonged noise or unpredictable but yeah that's That's what the diaphone looks really cool design and i I really appreciate this cutaway yeah so someone made it on google it's actually an animated it's like they took the patent design and then animated it in today so this is actually the drawing that was in the patent and then they made it into an animation well and the pressure it's just the pressure changes which is cool yeah but it reminds me it's a very similar in concept at least to like a, a natural gas regulator mm-hmm. i don't know who listening cares but i'll say um as so as this piston moves downward and that channel opens up behind the piston to reset it it's essentially you're playing with the pressure so that's what makes it to to uh to move which yeah. is really interesting move rapidly i would assume for the bursts of air that's cool and so this piston design was for uh organ organ instruments like in a church yeah so the pressure would rise and then this would cause the one i don't even know what to call them like a chime in a church like an organ yeah i'm sure it was a little different before it was released for this purpose but Originally, the guy that designed it, that's what he was designing it for. It was for use in an organ. I'm not sure if they actually used it there or not. Oh, I see. But then diaphone. Yeah. I don't know if I can post a GIF on Instagram in our group of photos that we posted. So maybe I'll post it as like a, I don't know, a story you can reference back to Mm, look at how it works. Because I did have to do a little bit of digging to find this. So anyway, I'll get it to you guys somehow. Um, there's a couple other rarely, rarely used types, but the diaphone is, like I said, most widely used. Another cool thing I saw is that, you know, in the modern day age, foghorns are activated by a laser that is shooting out to the sea. And if it's ever reflected back, as it would be if there was fog, 
Something interrupts the beam. Yeah, or just it's the air is full of water, so it reflects it back to the laser origin. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anything about it, so in my best terms, if the laser is ever reflected back, which means there's fog, then the foghorn is activated. So there doesn't need to be someone there saying, oh, there's fog, turn right. it on. Manually just, turn it on. Yeah, it's like always keeping track so it can turn itself on. That's really interesting. And I, well, I, I'm guessing it's like an infrared laser because it would work day and night. It's not an optical laser that's going to blind somebody and that relies on, uh, you know, obviously daytime light. Yeah. So that's cool. Totally gone on foghorns. Very nice history buoy. Thank you. Okay. We're going to move on to the lighthouse. Which lighthouse? So this one's fun because for two reasons for you. One is that it's just funky and goofy and I think you'll appreciate that. Funky lighthouse. Yeah. And also you're taking a trip to Alaska soon mm-hmm. and you're going to end up in the town that has this. So you <gasps> will probably be able to go. Is it near Anchorage? It's Seward. Homer. Hope. Homer. Oh, we are going to Homer. So you should definitely give this place a visit because it is hilarious and a lot of history. So I'm going to put up a picture. Here we go. Here we go. I feel like I looked up lighthouses in Alaska recently and I might have seen like an outlook. Maybe it was in Homer. I don't recall. Seward, I want to say. I want to pull this up. Oh, no. Homer has to. So we've been to Homer. Yeah. Uh, Homer is where we stayed on the spit at Land's End Resort, which was really cool. The very end of the spit. I am talking about this subject today. I'm so excited. (laughs) Let's go. Also, gorgeous views. Here it is. Sorry. (laughs) The Salty, Salty Dog, Dog Saloon. Saloon. Okay. <laughs> Before you say anything else, I didn't see the lighthouse, but when we arrived in Homer, we're like, we're on motorcycles. We're all dirty. We got to go eat somewhere. I saw the Salty Dog Saloon on, on maps? Google Maps on like <laughs> one of the top five options. And I don't, yeah. I can't tell you anything else. That's all I know. But I was like, that's a cool name. And that was two years ago. And I re- remember that name. Mm-hmm. So tell us about it, please. So. It has the appearance of a lighthouse, but it's not what you think. It's so for visually for people listening, it is a gray log cabin and it actually has a two part building that's like just connected in between. They used to be separate. Mm. And then it also has a lighthouse connected to the back or I guess a light tower. It's like hexagon shape. Um, Yeah, it could be octagon, but I'm going to lean towards hexagon. It's got shingles all along the sides, which is unique few windows i'll go more into the structure of the lighthouse it's covered in decorative i mean it's got seashells and buoys (laughs) and fishnets there's like a crab there's a lot going on trap there um there's a lantern coming out of the roof yeah very nautical uh very fun very funky pretty cool when you see it it's like you can't tell if it's going to be a dump or if it's going to be awesome (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's so, as you can guess by the name, it, the Salty Dog Saloon, it's actually a bar slash pub. Dive bar. But its history is goes a lot deeper than this just being a bar. So Okay. So, let's go in. It is estimated to be built, this, this main building that has the sign and the front door and everything, is estimated to be built in 1897. This is kind of an estimation because they don't know for certain when it was built but during a cleaning in 1970s they found newspaper insulation in the walls from the late 1800s so that is cool yeah so they're estimating that's probably when it was built 
It started out as one of the first cabins built in Homer just after Homer became a town site. Uh, and this makes the Salty Dog the oldest surviving structure in Homer city limits. Wow. And also the last original structure of the town. Wow. eighteen so. Late 1800s? Mm-hmm. Also, newspaper insulation is pretty hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> in Alaska. You're like, you know what? It's going to be cold. You know what? <laughs> Let's put some newspaper in there. <laughs> yeah, I know. I wonder um, if it was just... It, it was like, I, I think... I can't remember if it was built originally to be a tool shed, uh, as you can guess, since we don't know the exact date. Yeah. It's kind of just like it was a structure that was built and nobody knows what it originally was used for. But it has a ton of history, changed hands a ton, has all this, like had many different purposes yeah. in its lifetime. So cool. um, it was built at the very, very, very end of the spit where lots of coal and oil activity was happening, especially because of how accessible it was over there. And for those that don't know what the spit is, I'm going to open an Alaskan map to Homer. And the Homer spit is just like a four, it's like four and a half mile jut of land out into the Kachemak Bay. I looked up, there's a couple different ways they say to pronounce it, but I think it's Kachemak. Homer spit. Yeah, I think there's a Kachemak National Park, Kachemak area up there with a bunch of bears, pretty sure. Homer spit. Homer spit. (laughs) Nothing particularly special. No, it's awesome. Here's Lens End Resort. I'll talk about that. Ketchumac Bay. Um, Here's Homer over here. So it's just this long jut. You can see that they have ferry routes over here. Uh, Connections, especially maybe cruises would go to Lens End Resort. I don't know. Is it that nice? No. Sorry. I mean, (laughs) it's uh, I don't think they have ships that large coming into the the Ketchumac Bay. Yeah. Um, and Land's End Resort is, I don't know how to, I don't mean to be insulting. It was a gr- it was awesome. We really enjoyed our time there. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't call it a resort in typical fashion. Okay. You know, it's not like, uh, it's not like we were talking about in Nassau, Bahamas. Yeah, yeah. You know? That's what I was thinking. There we go. Salty dog. Salty dog. <laughs> so originally it was actually further down over here. <clears throat> Um, and moved during its lifetime, which I'll talk about as well. Oh, would you entertain me and go up to the left on the spit a little bit, looking at restaurants? I just want to see if I can recognize where we went. You pass an I RV park on the way? I don't think we went that far. I think it's still <laughs> up on the... I, th- I want to see there's a woman's name. I don't know. I'll have to, I'll have to look it up. Maybe That's I'll... cool beans. Maybe I'll comment. There was a couple in a row. Coffee stand! And I want to say it was a woman's name, and it was really good... Very good seafood. Um, oh, that's fun. Yeah. Clam chowder off the hook. Some of the places out here are a little touristy, and there's nothing wrong with that, but some of them you can tell have been there a long time. Mm-hmm. So, Salty Dog, D-A-W-G, just so everyone knows. Maybe you were around here. Oh, there Pat and Patties? Pat and Patties. Oh, temporarily closed. Oh, it's because it's, it's probably winter. seasonal, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, that's something else. I'm sure you can talk about it, but that's awesome that a building's been out there so long. When I was riding, I rode a motorcycle out there on Homer Spit. I was just thinking, man, everything out here has got to be gone in some enormous storm. Because yeah. it is not a lot of land. It's the road, which is a two-lane, mm-hmm. and then maybe 30 to 50 feet of land on yeah. either side. Mm-hmm. Maybe 100, I guess. But it felt small. You felt like you're on the water. It was really neat. I have something to talk about with that as well. <laughs> Sorry. I'm very, I'm excited. This no, is a good, good one. Yeah, I, I was hoping you would 
I have heard of this, which is hilarious that you actually stayed in a place that actually has history with this place. Obviously, they are so close together. So for the first 20 years of its life, it was served as the first post office in Homer, a general store, a railroad station, and a coal mining office. Oh, my God. So it had a lot of different purposes. And if you th- if you look at this picture, it's just this is all that there was. The it, original it wasn't yeah, there wasn't a lot going on. It was like just a, a room you go into. By twelve room. Yeah, which is probably story. true for a lot of general stores in early nineteen hundreds. That'd be so cool. At one point it housed three adults and eleven children. There was like some kind of renting happening and they partitioned it with just like a tarp in the middle. Yeah. And like heated one side and then the other side was maybe still the post office or something. But I don't. I, d- I didn't have a lot of uh, history that I could read up along on that. In the late 1940s, it was bought out by Chuck Abbott, who used it as an office for the Standard Oil Company right next to an oil tank farm. So right at the mm-hmm. end of the spit. So actually, this, it was used as an office, and then he's the one that opened the Salty Dog Saloon. <sighs> it was just kind of like this fun... It, it, like they never planned on making any money out of it. Yeah. It was just kind of a fun thing that they were just like, we should just open a bar I because like only crazy. They they said in the book like only crazy people would open a bar at the end of the spit. I can't tell you how many conversations dudes have where they're like, let's start a bar. Yeah, let's, we could do this, man. You brew beer, we could make this happen. Yeah, yeah. But it said that he just wanted to quote make a buck and increase the value of his company, hopefully by making it more visitable down there you know like yeah get some get some folks out yeah there. just yeah. get some life going at the end of the spit that's so cool so he opened it in 1957 he chose a pirate theme as homage to the quote original salty dogs his wife talked about how she like tried to talk him out of it doing a pirate theme she's like we're in alaska why would we do a pirate theme in, uh wait 1957 1957 yeah, yeah. And uh, he just really wanted, he just so badly, because he'd go along um, Kachemak Bay, and a lot of the decorations that were inside the saloon were things that he found, which included old ship bells, portholes, red and green lights, like all kinds of cool, fun nautical stuff. Yeah. So I think he was kind of just like, I'll just dump all of this stuff in there, and it'll be the salty dog. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Phyllis, which was his wife, said, quote, we never made a cent out of it until we sold it, but it was a fun time while we had it. <laughs> I love. I don't know why. I love that the sign is on the roof. Mm-hmm. I just, for some reason, that's unique. Yeah, instead of, like, hanging where the, the lantern is yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's very unique looking, and those dollar bills play a, a role as well. <laughs> so, okay, so, yeah, yeah. When did they sell... 57's when Standard Oil Man and Phyllis, mm-hmm. Phyllis Phyllis owned it. They bought it and then they sold it when? They they bought it in the 40's as an office but then they converted oh, right. it. Yeah. Opened Bart. it as the Salty Dog Saloon in, the, in 1957. They actually sold it in 1960 I want to say. Okay. And I'll talk about that but first I have the weirdest story that ever happened to the dog and actually was so like just outlandish and gross and weird that it showed up in newspapers as far away as New York after it happened. So Chuck installed an outhouse behind the bar because what else are you going to do? People visit your bar. You have to have a place for them to go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And just a note that 
at right both like the day before this happened two men came by the saloon asking for work and chuck turned them away because they didn't they didn't have anything for them to do yeah and then literally the next day there's a backup on the men's side of the outhouse and it was it was just split up by like a partition it wasn't two separate (laughs) buildings it was like once again a tarp (laughs) in the middle and a men's and a woman's side and there was a backup on the men's side and for some reason he enlisted the help of bruno Agostino, I think it is. Cool I'm sorry name. if I'm pronouncing that wrong, but he was a demolitions expert at the nearby coal mines. And he's like, hey, can you help me unclog this? <laughs> Bet you could do something. <laughs> like, what? A demolitions expert? So here, I'm going to read it out of this book. There's an excerpt where it talks about what happens. It's pretty short, but it's from The Dog's Tale, the story of Salty Dog Saloon, the Homer Spit, and the town of Homer, Alaska. Oh. By Diane Ford Wood, which is an awesome name. Go to page 125. I can tell you exactly what happened. So Harold Billups, who I think was a local that was there around this time, he wrote a book called In Those Days. And he said, quote, If one stick would be good, two sticks would be better, referring to dynamite. (laughs) So Chuck touched it off. It didn't just blow down as Bruno had said it would. It blew that stench and effluvium around like you couldn't believe. Some of it blew on Chuck's oil tanks and on the salty dog. And in fact, it pretty well covered the entire end of the spit. Oh. And that is referring to poop. Two (laughs) sticks of dynamite. Mm Mm-hmm. And the book also says that by some accounts from people, the raw sewage hit the sides of buildings, the laundry, the Land's End Resort. Oh. And a warehouse and a good portion of the end of the spit. Oh. I know. Oh. <laughs> it's like, Chuck, what are you thinking? What, what year is this? This is 1959, I think. Oh, or maybe man. 58. It, it was just a couple years before they sold it. And the guy that they bought, that, that bought it from them was Earl Hillstrand, who was the one that developed Land's End Resort. The- <laughs> <laughs> wait, like, wait, wait. Sorry, we covered your construction site and shit. The... The outhouse would have to be gone, right? It says that Phyllis went and put a sign on the outhouse that said, out of order. And I'm like, did it just not have a top on it or something? Forgive my language, but it blew the shit sky high. <laughs> there was shit all over the spit. That's what I was like. It said she put a sign on it. And I was like, a sign on what? Like, you're telling me something <laughs> survived? What? Well, can you, what's left to hang a sign on? Ew. Also, so you're walking up to it like, you really gotta go. Yeah. Oh, like, the sign says not to. Not all the evidence around here. Yeah. <laughs> well, it looks like I can poop anywhere, actually. People complain <laughs> about porta potties on construction sites oh, and football God. games. <laughs> so bad. Oh. Yeah, just the most wild story. Like, who. Bruno's like, yeah, just put some dynamite in there, set it on, and um, it'll just blow down. I want it's so. Like, ha- what? Path of least resistance. It's going to go I don't... I'm guessing. I have no idea. I'm guessing this is a um, latrine. It's probably not like piping. It's probably like a steel cylinder or something. Some in-ground. And they're like, let's make more room like with with dynamite. It's not like, oh, a pipe is clogged. Yeah. You know, let me pour some Drano in it. It's like... (laughs) It's like we're out of room. Salty dog style. And the, yeah. the the fecal influence <laughs> got all the way to the Lands End Resort. Mm-hmm. Can we scale that real quick on Google Maps? 
Yeah. Although oh, it's moved. It did <sighs> move, so we can't really know for sure. But I, I'm assuming it must have been pretty close for the Lands End Resort guy to actually Fourth purchase of July. it for his own use. Fourth of July. That's awesome. We just want to go back. It's funny. Chuck went in search of the two guys that came by asking for work after this and was like, hey, I have a job for you. <laughs> <laughs> Still need a job. They actually did it. And Phyllis said that she participated in the cleanup. Mm-hmm. Oh, so gross. I can't believe it. Business is booming. Literally. Back-end business. That is awesome. <laughs> so, anyway, I just thought that was that was probably did one of Did you the... go a one-stick or did you go a two-stick when you went <laughs> two to the stick. bathroom? <laughs> number one or number two? That was the most interesting story that I read. There's a lot of stories in this book. If anyone wants to read more about the Salty Dog Saloon, it's called The Dog's Tale. They don't have it. Um, it it's from ni- um, 19, let me see, 1997, I think she wrote it. Nice. 1995. Good year. So um, it's not available for you to read on ebooks or anything like that. Yeah. It's uh, it's only paperback. So. Yeah, they're like, oh, you know, if, if the walls of this bar could talk, well, these can in the salty dog. Uh, what is it? The dog's cafe. Dog's tail. Dog's tail. Oh man, I can't read upside down. <laughs> it's kind of swoopy. It's swoopy for my own credit, but yeah, if the, these walls could talk, they'd complain. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's awesome. Alaska became the 49th state of the union in 1959, and so that's about a year after this happened. And a year later, mm. Earl Hillstrand who was actually a member of the Alaskan House of Representatives at the time and was also developing the Land's End Resort. Yeah. He purchased it, and it was, like, apparently a big stink that he was an Anchorage resident and was buying the bar. Oh, like, he's one of them city folk. Yeah. Yeah. He had uh, money. business ventures. Money yeah. talks. Yeah. Especially because Phyllis said they didn't make any money on this until they sold it, so it was probably a good chunk, a good hefty sum. Yeah. Well, that I'm... I'm interested to learn more about that perspective because I've I've been on many roads in Alaska. The furthest north we went was to the Arctic Circle sign on the Denali Highway. Um, it's really – or Dalton Highway, sorry. It's interesting. Um, but people – like I've talked – I listened to a different podcast. It's about hunters that had gone to Alaska for some hunting expedition. Mm-hmm. And they were saying, oh, yeah, where have you been? Oh, you've been to Anchorage and Fairbanks, so you haven't been to Alaska. Yeah, like those are the those are the cities. Mm-hmm. Like I think there's maybe, I'm gonna misquote, but like a million people in Anchorage. Yeah, and it's it's a city. It's a very small city, mm-hmm. but um, it's not Alaska. To get to Alaska, you have to fly in a bush plane. You know, there's oh. no roads that lead to Alaska. Oh my gosh, that's what people say. So, well, it's kind of cool. It's oh, it's yeah, it's gorgeous. But that's a really interesting story. Salty dog. Yeah. So, so so Earl bought it. Yeah. Hillstrand. And he ran it for about four years. And then March 27th, 1964 was the Good Friday earthquake. Do you remember or have you heard anything about no, that? I don't know I, anything about all these earthquakes. Apparently. I know. It's another earthquake. I don't mean I'm to be insensitive. I can't help it. <laughs> so you know this earthquake right now? Right that now? That just happened in Turkey or something? Um, no. And the death toll is like 40,000 people. No way. Right now? Yeah. Isn't that insane? That's not good. I don't know the details of it. I might not even have the place correct. Yeah, do not get your news from the Lighthouse Lowdown. Yeah, we don't really know what we're talking about. <laughs> Unless it's about lighthouses. And then we do. And then you can trust us. So, the Good Friday earthquake. The reason why I ask is because a lot of 
people that live like locals they refer to it as a time stamp that's like oh yeah before the earthquake you know pre-covid yada yada mm-hmm. exactly before that kind the of deal mm-hmm. so it was a 9.2 on a scale of 10 richter 9.2 that's wild magnitude earthquake and i think the fatalities were only like 150 people because nobody really lived there <laughs> at this time um well the structures aren't very tall but the earthquake originated from the Aleutian Trench, uh, which is that weird, it's characterized by that tail of islands that connects Alaska to Russia. Yeah. Um, well, is it the Scott Islands? Those are the ones Triangle Island was on. No, that's further south. Okay. Um, I think. I'm. It's the Aleutian Trench is the fault line that caused the earthquake. Right. And those islands, I think they're called the Aleutian Islands, are projecting upward from this fault line right that's where that show we watched an episode of a show or a couple episodes where they're looking for treasure mm-hmm. salty earthquake <laughs> salty earthquake here is uh oh my gosh showing colorful like this is a this is australia like it's not like oh we're zoomed into alaska here's Whoa. The, here's the trench and this star is uh, I think it was 75 miles. Let me see. I did not realize what we were looking at. Mm-hmm. I know. I think that is crazy. The epicenter was 75 miles away from Anchorage. And so, and since there's the most people there, the most buildings, it took the most damage from yeah. this earthquake. But still, relatively low casualties from such an enormous earthquake that was felt all the way in Antarctica. Like it said that it detected this earthquake in equipment that was in Antarctica. Well, it looks like. Uh, from the radius there it looks like seattle would feel a 5.0 mm-hmm. which is not close canada is in between those two yeah. <laughs> canada is not small wow the earthquake released they estimated 500 years of built-up tension uh 600 miles of the fault line moved all at once so wow. it displaced there was like areas that were displaced up or down 60 feet so some areas like Kodiak were raised permanently by 30 feet. Awesome. <laughs> Kodiak Island is awesome. And the Seward Highway had to be reconstructed after the areas southeast of Anchorage dropped eight feet permanently. Only road that goes out to Homer. Really? There's one. Yeah. Wow. Must Seward have been a rough time. But tsunamis from the earthquake affected uh, Alaska, of course, and then Hawaii, Japan, Oregon, California, Peru, Antarctica, and many other countries. The largest tsunami recorded was 220 feet tall in Shoot Bay, Alaska. I'm just surprised that only 150 people died. Like, this isn't... There's no one there. 220 feet tall? Especially in those times. Alaska, like, was became somewhere to go and adventure the in rush. the 70s and 80s, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, that's when it was like, oh, you can go there. Like, you know, you can go see Kodiak Island, see the Kodiak Bears. You know, there's one yeah. bear per square mile. Like that that type of <laughs> that type of tourism became possible, yeah. I think, late in the nineteen hundreds. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, just for reference, this is the strongest earthquake to ever happen in North America and the second strongest in the entire world. In the history of the entire world. It's a great I mean, it's hard to say this is great, but it's great um for that. Yeah. Rather than today in you know, a high populated area anywhere. That's mm-hmm. just it's awful. Yeah. The poor spit. So close. It was 8.0. Is that right? 9.2. 9.2? I, <laughs> I can't believe it. Where was oh. the uh, the greatest? Uh, uh, in the, the world? Yeah. I don't know. 
Oh, who was the second greatest? This was the second greatest Most in the intense. world. Valdivia earthquake, 1960. Was it also up there? A uh, great Chilean earthquake. Uh, it's 1960, 9.4 to 9.6 on the magnitude of magnitude. The salty dog didn't actually sustain a lot of damage, but its location on the spit was not good for the fact that the spit lowered by 11 feet after Whoa. that happened. Yeah. So the tide, which was about 18 feet or something when it came yeah. in, meant that the only thing that wasn't touched by water was the road for a long time. That is incredible. Mm-hmm. So this was actually when they moved the, ca- the cabin from the very end of the spit just inland just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> just so that it was like it sunk eight feet and not 11 feet. Yeah. That's why and where they moved it. Yeah, there's, uh, you mentioned the standard oil uh, tank battery. You know, it's yeah, a, yeah. a set of tanks. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, well, it's a lot of oil. Um, I was like, I don't know if there's room for that. Yeah. If that makes sense. What a cool place in the world. I know. Kind of scary, but it's all right. We can just go back to the nice picture of the salty dogs. Nature, you scary. <laughs> so Nature is metal. I, I keep interrupting you. No. What else fine. can you tell us about the salty dog saloon? Well, so actually, right after this earthquake happened, they added the lighthouse tower. That's what I was wanting to know. Mm-hmm. And it was originally a facade to hide a water tank, huh. which is what supplied the saloon with fresh water. That's and funny. actually, this water, t- uh, this water tower was like five thousand gallons, and it shipped to them in pieces. Pretty huh? Pretty big. Yeah, and they had to put it together themselves. I'll talk about it in a second. Just a breakdown of the rooms because then we have the main cabin. We have another structure that was connected after a little while. The one back behind in the yeah. photo. Yeah, and then the water tower and then another tiny um, thing that I'll talk about. So we talked about the main room already, which was in 1897. And in 1909, a barn was constructed on the Woodard Homestead. I don't know if you know what that is. I didn't I look it up. I haven't heard that. uh uh-uh. I'm assuming it's just land not on the spit nearby or something. Later, this structure that was built as a barn would be trucked to the spit as the second structure for the Salty Dog. So it was built in 1909, but it wasn't moved over until maybe the 70s. Okay. So it had lots of years on it before it was reconstructed at the Salty Dog. And this one before its life with the Salty Dog was originally used as a school, a grocery store, and a post office. (laughs) Before now, it has like a jukebox and a piano and like lots of benches for people to sit on. Cool. Yeah. The other thing is um, they have another little building. It's a tiny, teeny tiny little log shanty is how it was described behind the salty dogs that's shown in its early day photographs. I think it's still there as a storage area, but I, I didn't have a picture. Hang on one second. I might be able to pull it up. I guess I'll share here. It just came to my mind. I have an opportunity maybe to go back here. It's a little unsure if we're going to go to Homer this time. Oh, no. Uh, we're not staying in Homer. Um, we changed, we're going on a different route to see more things in Alaska. But something I like to do when I travel is collect pairs of glasses, drinking glasses. Um, and I have, I don't know, 20 sets from different places I've been able to go over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, building up a new collection. So I... See if I can get some salty dog glasses. That'd they, be really they cool. have cool ones. I'm going to show the merchandise at oh. the end of this and I'll, I'll give you a little taste of what they have. Shout out. 
But yeah, so this is the picture that's from the book. I just took it with my phone and then brightened it so you could see it better. Oh, that's so good. It's horrendous, but uh, this is good as it can get. So this is the Salty Dog Saloon. I'll talk about this one in a second. Okay. And this is the little building. It's just like this tiny little, what would be a, a little storage shed today. But in this picture, you see it's called the Salty Pup Cafe. Awesome. Nobody has any history on this tiny building. But Phyllis wrote about it, and she said that it's speculated that it used to be a tiny restaurant, and it's called the Salty Pup Cafe. Yeah. But there's no history of that happening, and the only thing that they have is that a couple of local old-timers say that they remember getting bowls of chili, quote, at a little place at the end of the spit, towards the end of the 50s, but they can't recall what the name is. And so it's just kind of like... That's very likely it. Yeah, but but there's no proof that... They actually used to. Ugh. I know. It's like, the Salty it. Pub Cafe. I know. Is awesome name. <laughs> also, Salty Dog Saloon on the left mm-hmm. with the sign on the roof. But yeah, the dog in its original location. Shocking. So before it got moved. So cool. Yeah, so prior to 1927, it was used as a post office in Beluga Slough. Slough? Slough. I don't know. It's a place. But now it's just a storeroom that's used for the dog. But it's kind of a fun history that it maybe possibly used to be a tiny restaurant that served chili. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we got. Yeah. Take it or leave it. Also, the logs for this building have evidence of shipworm damage, which hints that at some point the wood or the structure had been underwater for a really long time. Oh, I thought you were going to say it was made of a ship. Well, that could be one of the explanations for the logs having shipworm damage. What are ship? <laughs> what are, what are shipworms? <laughs> Images. Whoa. Oh, wow. Okay. Holy cow. Like, uh, Kind of like termites. Ocean termites, I would guess. Yeah. Wreaking havoc for centuries. Wait, scientists still can't figure out how... <laughs> how what? How, how this worm turns. <laughs> we don't need to go too deep. can't figure out how it turns. <laughs> we don't need to go too deep into that right Come now. Come on, Jenkins. Get some anyway, data. That's what I took away from it, is that it's either that it used to be underwater, which seems unlikely... Or that the logs that were used to build the Salty Pup Cafe used to belong to a ship. Both are interesting. Mm-hmm. So here's this other structure. Let's talk about this bad boy right here. Mm-hmm. You can't really see, but there's someone standing in the window. Creepy. Uh, and it was called the Rum Locker. It no longer exists, but you can see it in this picture. It was yet another part of the dog in its early days before it was moved. It was possibly the first liquor store to exist on the spit. And Phyllis said the bar manager ran such great deals on liquor that it helped attract customers to the spit itself. It burned down in the 60s, so it no longer is a thing. Burned down in a rum fire? Possibly. A liquor-fueled fire. It, when, it, when the earthquake happened, it was moved, but it didn't follow the salty dog. It was kind of like separated and was just a place where they, the owners yeah. stored liquor. The rum locker. The rum locker. Yeah, but you could buy you could buy liquor like there. bottles. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Sadly, we don't have it anymore, but it did exist. We have a picture of it. It's also a good name for a bar. Yeah, the rum locker. The rum locker. We can make that pirate themed. Yeah. Also, rum. Kind of interesting. They chose that of mm-hmm. all the spirits they could have chosen. Yeah. Well, we're going for a pirate theme, and as we mentioned before, pirates don't drink champagne. <laughs> anyway, the last building we're talking about is the light tower. I don't. I couldn't find any pictures of the inside except for the bottom layer, which we can look up, but... 
The light tower was added, actually officially marked on marine charts, which means that it's a true nautical landmark. It's so a point of reference. Yeah. yeah. So it's not a lighthouse. It's not technically a lighthouse, but it is marked on marine charts and people that pass by this area a lot use it as a point of reference. Hmm. So kind of cool. And the only reason that it can't be labeled, I think the, the way that it's labeled is whatever the uh, the acronym is for tower with a light or building with a light yeah. or something like that. And it's because the light is turned off when the bar closes, which is <laughs> which varies per season. But that is cool. Yeah. It's like you can't really rely on it at nighttime because it's not the bar is not always open. But if you see the light on, that means the bar is open. That is really cool. Pretty cool that they put in a lighthouse. <laughs> yeah, that's not a to the saloon. That's not a small deal. Mm-mm. I know it's five stories tall. Well, I'll, I'll talk about it. It has five floors. Okay. The first is a pool room where you can play pool. It's for the bar. There's a picture Man. of it. I know. It's wicked. That's awesome. The second is John L's hobby room, who is, I think, the current owner of the lighthouse. John L. Warren, and his dad is the one who originally bought it, John Warren. Yeah. So John L. Warren is the current owner. The third and fourth floors are an apartment that's left vacant for when they have family visiting. And that's awesome. And they even talked about, like, they they could have rented it out, but they just haven't ever, they just couldn't ever do it. It's just, like, a space that they keep saved. And the fifth floor is the lantern room. And I haven't, I, I didn't get to see what light is in the lantern room. I'm assuming it's some fixed all way. I'm sure it's not just a lamp, but that could be true. I don't know. If you can see it out far enough that people traveling can see it. Then yeah. It's got to be a little bit more powerful. And if they want to play into the fact that. It's a lighthouse. Yeah, yeah. That they might put something, they might dish out the cash to put something powerful in there. Man. That is so neat. Yeah, especially because it used to have the the water tower inside, and it was so. It's, I said it was five thousand gallons, and he said it was built quote like an old whiskey barrel. What? Yeah, like a wooden water tower that they put the slide house they around. They put the slats together and like put the metal bands around mm-hmm. it. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, and How'd he said that out of there? <laughs> they had to dismantle it like bit by bit in yeah. order to get it out, and some of the wood they said was used in like friends' homes to be built that's because neat. they didn't have any idea what to do with all the pieces. Yeah, that's so cool. I would love to uh, play pool there. I know. It looks, and the pool table is really well taken care of. It's not like a dumpster fire. It's, I bet you this place is so busy. It, it apparently is like a hot spot. Yeah. I mean, the spit was busy when we yeah. were there. It was July 4th weekend, mm-hmm. but yeah. Oh, it's so much fun. I want to go. They sell patches. You should give me a patch for my jacket. <laughs> Salty dog sells them? Yeah. All right, well, I'll try to get there. Okay. Well, so the light tower made it a well-known landmark in the area, but they're also known for their dollar bill tradition, which mm-hmm. you can see by the the front door here. I'm going to pull up a couple pictures. So oh, this that's is cool. what the inside looks like. You have some underwear with some, some <laughs> people's numbers on it. We have a bra. <laughs> Uh, buoys, lots of pictures, a uh, license plate going on here, a hat. Um, people just come in and they just tag their names on a dollar bill and then tag tack it on the walls yeah. a- a- or anything else they have around. Underwear, whatever, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this kind of looks like maybe somebody's ID <laughs> here. <laughs> yeah, so the tradition started, um, I'm going to grab, grab my notes away from this. Nice grab. Thank you. Dollar bill tradition. There was a couple different things that I read about. 
but mainly it's just that many many years ago a visitor tacked a dollar on the wall because he knew that his friend was going to be coming by later and he's like hey this is for this person to buy them a drink so that's how this whole tradition started is that he tacked a dollar bill on the wall and it became like a big thing where people write their names and numbers and whatever else on a dollar bill and leave it behind to leave their mark like Bondo Bozeman, Montana. Bozeman, Montana. Yeah. I can like Brother zoom in. Bozeman. Burn up. There's a bomb. South Dakota. Have you ever seen a restaurant that does this? Or a bar? No, but I, I saw lots of other places. Well, Lawrence. Uh, right? Where? Jefferson's on Mastery? It's not ringing a bell. I mean, I know Jefferson's. I don't remember dollar bills. Mm-hmm. I was going to say Estes Park, Colorado. Um, I, we haven't been there together, but I've, I've been there many, many times growing up and there was a, my favorite restaurant in this entire world is now no longer the same. Um, and I won't, it's a good place still, but it's been moved, but it had a tradition of dollar bills on the walls and I was, you know, everything's magic when you're a kid. I got to draw on a dollar bill with like a marker yeah, and, leave and it? then put it on the wall. I think what. <laughs> What the one in Estes Park did was after a period of time, they'd clean them all off and donate them to some local yeah. cause. Mm-hmm. So I just, it, yeah, this I think is very it's a fond, common thing. Very fond memory for me. Yeah, but it is fun, yeah, to see it. I can't remember anywhere in Lawrence. Yeah, I, it was someplace that had dollar bills all over the wall and they, they did take them down the next time I had visited. They had started over. Cool. So anyway, I don't know. I, I haven't heard that if, if they do that to this place, but the current manager of the saloon estimates there's anywhere between 50 to sixty thousand dollars on the wall business ever dries up yeah they have oh. an insurance policy on the wall look at all of this stuff and this is a real human skull what they put aside the last man who wrote a hot check oh that's cool <laughs> but yeah they found a real human skull i think in that's the bay so cool. and they put it up here the last man. Yeah, it didn't turn it into the police. A warning. Yeah, we were gonna turn it into the police, but then we thought, hey, we have a bar. We can put it in we'll the bar. Put it on the wall. We have crazy stuff on the walls, but look at all of this alcohol. It's a full stocked bar. I've got it. It's too cool. It wasn't quite this cool, I'll be honest. But there's a place I went on the the Denali Highway, which is also in Alaska. Mm-hmm. That was a bar in a um, cargo ship container. One cargo ship. That was the whole bar. It was like what? five seats. Oh. It's called the Sluice Box. Oh my gosh. And it's, uh, I can't remember where we were at. Uh, Clearwater Mountain Lodge is the Wait, place we called? stayed. Um, S-L-U-I-C-E. Yep. There oh it is. Oh my gosh. Well, that's Alaska State Fair. Sluice Box comes from, uh, yeah, that, that's the one. It's a term having to do with. Ah, um, there it is. Oh, come on. I'm losing my, my brain here. But when they're excavating an area. Uh, I think looking for gold, it's the sluice box. It's like oh, a slushy. Yeah. Uh, my understanding. Someone's going to correct us. But so we went to this bar because it's the only thing at the, we stayed at this like kind of cabins area. Mm-hmm. It's the only thing out there. And we were the only customers. Oh. And the only person working the bar Is this your was a person. No, <laughs> but you can tell we weren't the first ones there. Yeah. The only person working the bar was this, uh, the son of the person who owns the cabin. So it was like, you know, there, if you need anything, it's just us. Like there's no one else around, middle of nowhere. Oh, really wow. beautiful. There's a rainbow in the morning we woke up. Ah, I'm so excited to go back to Alaska. Here I sit in smelly vapor. Someone took all the toilet paper. Late for work, but still I linger. Look out, ass. Here comes my finger. 
you were not expecting that. I'm getting out of here. Uh, I'm going to stick with Salty Dog. All I'm saying is Alaska's got some cool bars. <laughs> it is pretty cool. I love that the dollar beer. Tur- dollar beer. <laughs> I mean. Hey, it should hey. be, yeah. <laughs> dollar bill tradition lives on in many other places. I, I've definitely, it's not original to this, but maybe it's the first place to ever do it. We don't know. But yeah, money's not the only thing that ends up on these walls that we saw from the panties and the Heck license yeah. plates. There's also like business cards, uh, bras, lanterns, hats, um, and lots of other stuff. Alaska. Alaska. Besides the decor, you'll also find like some like rustic wooden tables, a fully stocked bar, and a pool table. Their signature drink is called the duck fart, <sighs> which is a shot that's layered with Bailey's and ka- Kaula. Kalua. Kalua. Uh, with some good. Crown Royal whiskey. Hmm. <laughs> that is interesting. Oh, there are pictures. Bailey's and Kahlua is like a creamy coffee combo. Yeah. Bailey's Irish cream. Shout out. Let's just go. Kahlua Let's coffee just... liqueur. I'll get those two. And then Canadian whiskey. I want to go so bad. I'm so jealous that you guys are going. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome to come along. You take a motorcycle class. You guys would not. I'd be going so slow. I'd be like, just. We don't go that fast. You'd be surprised. Well, there's times when we burn like the wind. But Mm -hmm. most of the time, uh, I think the average speed we're going is like 40 to 50 miles an hour. Are you guys taking a new route this time? We're going to go some of the same roads. um, But we're going to try to see some new things. We're actually going to cross over into Canada. Oh, neat. Yeah. You need your passport? Yep, I do. Just put in a request for a new one. So much fun. I can't figure out where I saw this picture of the picture of the the duck fart. <laughs> can you can you look that up? Duck fart yeah. drink. Yeah, there you go. Oh yeah, okay. You it's got a, it right. An article. There it is. <sighs> it the doesn't, duck fart. It doesn't. It looks yeah. It looks it's like a duck ba- fart. Yeah, we I got Bailey's and then we've got you know, whiskey and uh, Kula. Ka- Kalua. Kalua. That is a strange combo. I know, but you know. If it's their signature drink, it's got to be something good. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> or it's just like... It's like a shot of Malort. It's oh, the, yeah. Oh, tastes like pencil eraser. <laughs> so the lighthouse, I did see a photo of it kind of as we scrolled by. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. They have a really good, cool. good ones on their um, Instagram, which you can follow. Yeah. they're So they're they're actually open during the winter. That used to not be true. But now their normal hours are 10 a.m. to 5 a.m., <laughs> so they're only not open for five hours uh and in the winter it's open 12 p.m to 8 p.m so okay not open very late yep yep yep. it says spring hours opening at 11 and staying until midnight or so <laughs> that's cool i did read in the book that winter months at least when it was first opened were reserved for like fishermen and, and people to actually come and use it and yeah. then the rest of the time the fishermen respectfully you know turned it down so that the tourists could be using it in the summer months and not be scared away (laughs) that's so funny the locals give it a break yeah they have a their instagram is at salty dog saloon if you want to go follow them their website salty dog saloon.com and they sell a ton of merchandise including thongs no comment (laughs) let's see if we go to stuff there's like glass and drink and everything we got bumper sticker drink koozies stickers playing cards those are pretty dope here's the patch bandana for you motorcycle riding men yeah i don't yep <laughs> joke <laughs> really cool also good uh, website as well they they write a lot about 
sawdust on mm. the grounds of the bar, which I think they still do. And it is just put down like this inch layer of sawdust or more, which collects any spilled drinks or anything. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, they scoop up all of the sawdust and get rid of it. And they will check, you know, through it for like money or they find yeah. like wedding rings uh. and it's like all kinds of stuff. They talk about, there's been stories of people that come in lovers, spats, heated arguments. And the oh. woman throws her ring down and says, I am no longer married to you. Like the book is hilarious. Like if anyone wants to give it a read, it has a lot of cool stories about this saloon. It's like a litter box floor. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just like nightmare. turns into like a sludge that they Ooh. have to pick up. <laughs> it's part of the experience, man. A quaint little drinking village with a fishing problem. I've heard that quote before. Toby Keith. No, Toby Keith. Oh, my gosh. Toby Keith, yeah. Toby <laughs> Smith <laughs> of uh, of the Bahamas told us that. Oh, that's that funny. same comment. Yeah. That's funny. They but, yeah, that, that's all I've got on the Salty Dog Saloon. Now I'm just browsing. But, yeah, it's just um, it's a faux lighthouse. I thought it would be a super cool, super fun. Yeah. No, it's super. With, well, it's good. There's no, like, big stories about it. You know, some ship crashing or yeah, no, some explosion. I mean, the the earthquake was a lot, but right. But the yeah, lighthouse was after. I'll definitely try to get there. I might reach out to him. We'll see. So two days, the second to last day, we're coming across into Whittier um, on a on a ferry on a mm-hmm. boat. That's the plan. So it's like an eight hour ferry, and then we go through this tunnel, which is only a one one lane tunnel. Oh gosh, so traffic only goes one way. Ooh, weird. You could wait. Apparently, you could wait hours to get through it. No way. Um, And then then that spits us out towards, uh, I believe it's towards Seward, if I remember right. And so to get to Homer that night, we may have 12-plus hour day. Um, And we we can't predict the boat times and and the tunnel times. So if we don't get there, then, which I don't think we will, the very last day, we'd be going from Seward to Homer. All the way back up to Anchorage, oh, which I is see. all of the Seward Peninsula. Yeah. Or uh, Seward. Man, my memory is just not confident. But that that whole peninsula. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're planning to do. Maybe we, hopefully, we can get here, but we may not get to Homer. That'd be sad. So. Hopefully, you can. You got to give this place a visit. I'd like to. A full so, house that lives in in our hearts. Yeah. I wish, I wish we were staying at Lands End again because I just go down here for the evening. Yeah. You know, try to. Fight the crowds. Live it up. Yeah, Very it. unexpected. Thank Salty you. Dog Saloon. Thank you for that. I'm going to like seeing that title in our um, our next episode. Did you... Sponsor? Yeah. <laughs> Might as well. Uh, I don't... I'm not good at this, so we'll just put it in. But um, our sponsor for today is Newegg.com. Um, I contacted them. I've actually ordered from them before, so it's a mostly technology. But if you... I mean, you can go on Amazon, sure. But Newegg.com is a tech mecca. So if you need a computer mouse, a keyboard, if you're going to look at laptops, you want to learn some more, it's a super nerds website. And I, that's what I am. And I love it for that reason. But they've they've connected us with a Link. So if there's anything that you've had on your mind on your Christmas list that you didn't get, um, if you use our link to go purchase that, we'll get 3% back nice. towards, a, towards a lighthouse lowdown. So awesome. just thought we'd give them a mention. I think it's active... We'll post how long it's active, but like yeah. April. So we'll include uh, it in the show notes for this episode. So anyone that wants to order something and give a little bit, 
yeah, I mean, inadvertently to the lighthouse lowdown. Anything we we appreciate you just listening. That's that's why we're here. But that's true. if we, you do we, need something, we watch our listener numbers like a hawk. <laughs> so if you really want to gift us, yeah. just listen to our episodes. But if you want to do it in a way that you know you don't have to go out of your way, just click on the link. Yeah. So we're new on LinkedIn this week. Um, making some posts on there. We're big on YouTube now. Is our big our big launch a couple of weeks ago. So. Uh, we're just going to keep going. We appreciate everyone listening in and, and chatting with us. It's been fun. Yeah. So. And we had a an Instagram comment from Mums. Oh, Mysteries and Murders. Yeah. Is that what it was? It's another podcast. It's um, a pair of moms from, oh, Australia and the UK, Ed- I think. Edinburgh. Yeah. Yeah. And they just cover true crime. Very laid back, uh, casual. I haven't listened to an episode, but Vince did. And he yeah. said it was very enjoyable. They had like fun stories to I talk listened, about. I listened to one um, and it was regarding, this is going to sound, just listen to it. It was it was a dog suicide bridge. Oh. And it was, they were talking, <laughs> there's not a lot of story there, but there's this bridge. Um, and over the years, many dogs have decided to jump off this bridge in oh, out of nowhere spooky, instantly. Spooky, spooky. And a lot of those dogs have passed away. Oh, no. So <clears throat> that's what their episode is about. But they get into some commentary that their accents and their perspectives being moms. Yeah. That's the gold. I really, I really enjoy it. Oh, it I'll have smile. to listen. I was excited. They just commented on our, um, Flannan Isle mystery and said, we just, mm. we just covered this. You know, we really like the story. I'm binging your podcast. It's super fun because I love lighthouses and all that. So I just sent her back a message and said, we'd go ahead and listen. And if they had any lighthouses around Australia or the UK or anything that had spooky stories, then we would totally cover it because I, it's been a long time since I did a spooky lighthouse. Spook, spook. I've been doing fun lighthouses. My next one is also a fun lighthouse. Um, well, there's more spooky there's more spooky in our in the potential world. cards for we, you. Uh, I haven't started work on one, but I okay. know I know of one. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I have the next episode, and then Vince will be doing the next one. So yeah, I've got a couple different ideas, and I'm not sure which one I'm going to move forward with next. Mm-hmm. So got to do some shuffling. But yeah, it'll be Every fun. Damn shuffling. Dun, 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 follow dun, us dun, on Instagram dun, dun, at the Lighthouse Lowdown where you can see pictures, uh, and then follow us on YouTube. I'll put the link in our show notes where you can watch possibly the screen share of this episode, or if it's just too much, then it'll just be a slideshow of pictures, which will probably be more. I don't know. More, I didn't do a very good job of the screen work. <laughs> it was too good. much stress. We'll just see what happens. Whatever we post, we'll post. <laughs> right? Okay, sounds good. But yeah, and, and go to our website or. Uh, you can send us an email at lighthouselowdown at gmail.com if you want to talk to us about any buoys or lighthouses you want us to cover. We've had a couple, and um, they're in the works. Our next episode is a uh, has a history buoy from someone that requested it. So nice. We'll get to do that. So Thanks for listening, and we hope you catch us next time on The Lighthouse. Love you.